Hello and welcome to the Waking Up to Grace podcast, where we celebrate and explore the finished work of our Lord, Jesus Christ. The Waking Up to Grace podcast can be found on every major platform. And now, here's Lenny. Welcome to Waking Up to Grace. Today we're, we're going to be talking about communion and the Lord's Supper. Every Christian has probably been presented this idea that the Lord's Supper is a time to evaluate yourself, present your sin to the Lord, cleanse yourself so that you can properly take the Lord's Supper in a worthy manner and that you'd be drinking judgment upon yourself if you didn't. Have you heard those things? I know I have. I remember the ceremony at church where the lights go dim and the soft music is playing as we reflect on all of our sins that we've committed, analyze ourselves. Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. He didn't say, do this in remembrance of all of your sin and fleshly filth that I did away with for you. So is the focus really on ourselves or was it supposed to be a celebration of Christ and what he did until he was to come and return? That's what it says, to do this remembrance of me until I return. Let's take a closer look at what they were actually doing in the Lord's Supper. Let's see what was meant by those passages before we put them on the screen and start dooming and glooming everybody and making them feel bad. So let's take a look at the Lord's Supper as Paul describes it. Paul the Apostle, let's see what he has to say about it. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17. I'm in the NIV version. In the following directives, Paul says, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent, I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. So then when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this manner. So what we see here is a feast, food and drink laid out on a table. This was not crackers and little cups of grape juice. Just putting that out there, it was a feast. So they were getting together and celebrating Christ together and what was happening. What were they doing in this church of Corinth? There was people coming in and eating all the food and drinking all the wine before others got there that had nothing. How horrible is that? That's terrible. I mean, who would do that? Paul is rebuking them, saying, you guys are just ridiculous. What are you doing? I mean, how would you feel if you called 30 believers together to your house and you had all this food and drink out and you came in the room and some people came early and they were passed out on your floor, drunk and full of food and sick. And everybody else gets there later who, you know, really was relying on that meal because they don't have much. And they get there and there's nothing left. What would you think about that? Yeah, that's bad, isn't it? It's not very good behavior. (laughs) Not very Christian-like. Paul goes on to say, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. 
So think about that. The blood was his blood shed for your sins, the new covenant. The bread was his body broken for you. Think of the symbolism of this ceremony that they were doing and how cool it actually was. Why would he use food? He used food, I would say, absolutely to symbolize the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You take in his body is inside of you. You drink this cup with the cleansing and the forgiveness of sins is now inside of you. You have this internal cleansing that was symbolic of what he had done till he comes back, bring up all the Old Testament saints into heaven. That would have been in 70 AD, raising them up. And then when we die, we're raised up with him. That's an amazing thing. They're doing in remembrance until the full fulfillment had come. He did everything at the cross and at the resurrection, but the fulfillment of all the prophecies has not been completed yet. Back onto the Lord's Supper. And he says, So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. What would they be examining? They're sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord, and they're sinning by being completely disrespectful to the church, the people, the other people that were poor examine themselves before they eat and drink. Think about the picture that he just painted. Should they not examine themselves first? Hmm. I think I'm going to go there. I'm going to wait for those poor people to come and act like a civilized person here and wait for them and eat together and have fellowship, right? Let's use discernment is what he's telling them. Don't be foolish. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. They're not even discerning the symbolism, what was going on. Instead, they would just go stuff their faces and they passed out. He says, this is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. They literally passed out on the floor. They're weak. They're sick because they've been drinking and eating too much. I mean, what happens when you drink a bunch of wine and overdo it and eat too much? You're weak and sick and you fall asleep. <laughs> you, you come to realize there's other translations that say some have died and it really throws you off. Clearly, some of the translators weren't looking at the context. A lot of those Greek words rely on context. So falling asleep could mean dead, right? We see it in scripture. Falling asleep means died in many cases. But in this case, when they were getting drunk on wine and eating too much, I think falling asleep was just literal. And I think that's why the NIV version put it that way, because they probably didn't die from drinking and eating too much. That doesn't sound quite right. I think they probably just fell asleep. And he goes on to say, but if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. What judgment is he talking about? Are you talking about judgment of the, the other body of believers, the people? They're judging them, looking at them like, what are you guys doing? I mean, there had to have been just a lot of strife going on because of that. But I guess it just goes to show you that saints can still sin. And then he goes on to say, nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. What does he mean by that? He's just saying that God disciplines us. He's waking you guys up so that you won't be like the rest of the world. Wake up and realize what you're doing. They're acting in the flesh. In a spiritual gathering, they're acting like fleshly jerks. They were being just completely out of line. And then he goes on to say, So then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. Anyone who is hungry should eat something at home, so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. And when I come, I will give further directions. 
So he's kind of babysitting these guys here. He had some infant Christians, evidently, that he heard the gospel and maybe they were using their freedom a little bit too much. This passage isn't anything near what we've been taught. We should really change our paradigms around and realize that the Lord's Supper, if it's to be taken in any way, it's a beautiful ceremony. It's a celebrational ceremony. There was nothing loving about what they were doing. Therefore, we know that it came from the flesh. So he's teaching them spiritual teaching. So that they can understand how that the flesh was at fault for this and to get that out of there. Why act like the rest of the world that's under judgment for all their unbelief? If you go to a, a more orthodox church and you have to be a member to take this communion and you have to make sure to get all of your sin cleansed. I first, remember about who cleansed our sin already. This was just simply supposed to be symbolic of that cleansing. We take it in and it's a remembrance, a reminder of our cleanliness inside that the blood of Christ is already done. If you had to cleanse yourself beforehand, I mean, isn't that kind of silly? Didn't Jesus already do that before his spirit actually came into you? This is just symbolism, celebration that he was commanding his followers to do at that time. Let's take a look at it, see the beauty in it, see the good in it. Rather than making this a doom and gloom and few people in the audience bawling their eyes out because of all the sin, trying to make sure they're extra clean. Let's do better than that. Let's follow the truth. Amen. All right. You guys have a good day out there. Thank you for joining us today. This podcast is brought to you by Waking Up to Grace Ministries. You can visit our blog page, add comments, or reach us privately from our contact form at wakinguptograce.com. 